Aloha from Maui, Hawaii, and welcome to this week's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. My name is Michael Benner, and it's a pleasure again to be with you as the host of this school, uh, your humble teacher and fellow student on the path, the eternal path of wisdom, the path with no destination, just a journey, trying to figure it out trying to work it out, and uh, standing on the shoulders of giants, so to speak. The ageless wisdom, as most of you know, from having been here before or, or just being familiar with the field of ancient philosophies or ageless philosophies, this material really comes from all cultures and all times. It precedes religion in the age of prophets, but it also transcends and stands above religion. It is not opposed to religion, but a comparative look at all religion and all philosophy. The idea that matters of spirituality and great existential questions, uh, the meaning of existence, the purpose of life, our topic for the day today, actually, purpose and meaning, meaning and purpose. Two topics rolled into one, to candy mint and the breath mint. Uh, <laughs> there's no reason that religion should be able to, how shall I say, corner the market on these great questions of who am I and what am I for, what is life, how do I live it, why am I here, Today's topic, what is the purpose, and how do I find meaning within that purpose? We're going to today suggest that though these words, meaning and purpose, are often used interchangeably, that they are, in fact, really two very different things. Appreciate you being with us live today. You can listen on this 29th of November. 2009, either by web or telephone, on the web page in front of you, right above the audio player, are several links. One says other numbers. If the primary number or backup number are long-distance calls for you and you're still paying by the minute, click on other numbers to find a telephone number with an area code near you or where you happen to be. That will make it a local call for those of you still paying by the minute. And if you are, by the way, um, maybe tomorrow or the next day, call your phone company and look into flat rates because they're not going to call you and tell you that you don't need to pay by the minute any longer for long distance. There are remarkable deals, unless you just don't make long distance calls, but most of us do with new portability laws, you don't even know where somebody is when you dial an area code anymore. And so it's a good idea to check into flat rate telephone service. But if you are still paying by the minute, we've got about 20 or 30 telephone numbers here you can use. Any one of those numbers will bring you to this conference Sundays at 1 o'clock Pacific, 4 o'clock Eastern, and the secret is to enter the conference ID correctly when prompted. And you'll also see that on the web page in front of you right above the player. 
Replays, of course, are available, and the majority of people at this point, more than 10 times, uh, actually it's more like 20 times the number of people listening to us live. Yeah, 20, a little more than 20 times more people than listen to us live are listening to the replays, either streaming from theagelesswisdom.com or by podcast. And you can pick up the podcast subscription for free at uh, the iTunes store or any of the major podcast uh, directories like um, Podcast Alley, Digital Podcast, uh, a Podcast Pickle. I think we're on most of them. Okay, and Google should find it. So The Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. Check out the replays. And uh, if you've got an iPod or other portable MP3 player, uh, you've already got iTunes, I'm sure. Uh, that's a great way to subscribe through the iTunes store. drops it right into your podcast folder, updates your iPod uh, automatically, and, and you're good to go. And, uh, heck, you can get iPods for $49 now. A good Christmas gift, uh, stocking stuffer, uh, so to speak. There are a little over 70,000 podcasts on the Internet. 70,000-plus podcasts on the Internet. Uh, most of them are not very good. Some of them are extraordinary, just excellent programs. And most of them fall into little niches of, of interest. Well, a program that uh, you might like because you're interested in... Uh, you know, I, I don't know, vegetable gardening, and you find a vegetable gardening podcast, or you're into woodworking, or, um, you know, some other hobby, golf or tennis, and so you find a podcast about that. And, uh, again, all free and, and, and very cool, and uh, you just plug your iPod into your computer before you go to bed, and it'll be all updated next time you take it off. It's very slick, very slick. And if it's still a bit daunting to you, find a teenager or a young adult, because they're all over it. They'll set you up. Okay, so today's program is about meaning and purpose, purpose and meaning. And as I suggested in the newsletter, and as I've said on the radio for many years, we use these terms interchangeably. Um Sometimes redundantly, we talk about the meaning and purpose of life. I think Monty Python did a movie called The Meaning of Life. And Rick Warren down at Saddleback College, or Saddleback, uh, not college, Saddleback uh, uh, Church, um, he's uh, written the best-selling book in America called The Purpose Driven Life with some very heavy and often judgmental religious overtones, I must say. Uh, it's hard for me to, to respect his position against gays, discriminating openly against gays, and then holding yourself out as a Christian minister. If, if anybody spent more than 30 minutes reading the words of Christ, you would know that he was not homophobic and... Uh, uh, to pull on a couple of Old Testament phrases about rabbis preparing uh, for religious rituals and rites and suggest that, you know, that speaks for uh, Christ and 
all other people of character. All you have to do is know some gay people to know how wrong that is. So, Like everybody else, Rick Warren is a mixed bag. But my point is that he wrote this book called The Purpose Driven Life that begs the question, what is the purpose of life? And sort of <laughs> to balance things out, uh, Money Python's The Meaning of Life asks a lot of the same questions. But rather than talk today about the purpose and the meaning of life as if it's the same thing, I'm going to argue that there are important distinctions between the purpose of life and its meaning. I I feel strongly about this and am pulling on uh, and I'll try to share some of the sources with you as I as I go, not only my own intuitive sense or um, understanding of what these words mean, but also what I have gleaned from studying metaphysics and esoteric philosophy um, for more than three decades, um, almost four decades now. Uh, purpose Let's begin with purpose, because I think purpose is more universal and more objective, where meaning is more personal and more subjective. And if that was all I could say about the difference, that's probably what I would say. That, that's, <laughs> that's a good beginning, all right? You could even think of capitalizing purpose when you talk about the purpose of life, right? Again, rather, I would argue, objective, as if all human beings, or perhaps better said, all life forms, animal, plant, mineral, and human beings, share a purpose, an objective, or rather objective, universal reason to be that would be purpose whereas meaning would be different i would argue for each one of us we're all unique we have fingerprint evidence and dna proof of our uniqueness in a universe of uniqueness or not even two grains of sand or nor two snowflakes are exactly alike. No two blades of grass in all of the world are exactly the same color green. It's pretty crazy how diverse uh, this universe really is and how it even beats the odds when it comes to diversity, suggesting that there's meaning in the diversity, don't you see? And so, just as purpose of life, I'm arguing, is objective and universal. Meaning of life, I will argue, is up to you. And that the meaning of your life, while it may intersect everyone else's sense of meaning, will nevertheless be unique. And then there's a point of harmony that I always like to mention between the one in the many, between purpose and meaning, between
between the objective and the subjective, um, between unity and diversity. The ancients called it the one and the many, and that's the heart and soul of things that uh, is both. The beautiful thing about the heart and soul of anything or the middle of any system is that it is everything all blended together, much in the same way that an electromagnetic field around a bar magnet is inclusive of both polarities. The North Pole and the South Pole of the bar magnet are reflected in that magnetic field. And as you move from one end of the bar magnet to the other, the strength of the polarity that you're moving toward increases and the strength of the polarity you're moving away from decreases but there's no point in that magnetic field that is all one pole or the other every point in that magnetic field includes the influence of both polarities north south positive negative uh, yang and yin however you want to describe it, the peak and the trough, the summer and the winter, right, uh, of all things. That is a very rich concept that even has implications when we talk about the middle way in Buddhism, for example, or the middle pillar in Kabbalah. Uh, moderation in all things would be the way the Greek um, would discuss it. And so, in a sense, we're talking about polarities, at least in the model I'm using today. Remember, models are models. They only go so far. Any teaching aid is, only has value to a point. So this is not carved in granite. I'm just going to cast about to do my best to suggest that there's a difference between purpose and meaning. Purpose would have to include all of the meanings, wouldn't it? This is a good place to begin. After having said, again, purpose is objective. You might want to capitalize it. Universal. How about divine? Right? How about chairman of the board? How about the big daddy? How about the absolute? What if we call purpose the absolute? And meaning the relative. That's another way of talking about the one and the many, or the creator and its creation, or unity and diversity. You're getting a feeling for this kind of polarity is unusual, because it's not just positive and negative. It's like everything on one end and many things on the other end, the absolute and the relative. So purpose being absolute, if there's merit to what I'm saying, and again, this is, uh, this is not limited just to my view, although again, as I say, it's not carved in granite. It's my attempt to use my words and my understanding to, to share with you this concept. That's always the case in this wisdom school. It's, it's the ageless wisdom mystery school is taught by me, and... Um, you know, there are other wonderful people that are doing the same thing by different names and different ways, and 
and we all respect each other for that. So this is just my take on it. So purpose would have to include all meaning. Purpose, subjective, and universal, meaning being subjective and very personal. So purpose has to include all these separate and diverse meanings. 300 million people in America, 300 million meanings for life. 6 billion people in this world, 6 billion unique reasons to exist from the point of view of the meaning of life, subjective and personal. Your meaning is not my meaning. Whereas our purpose, I would argue, is the same. Now, let's start with purpose, because in many ways these are both unanswerable questions. Uh, Again, I think I want to throw that out there as well. We're not trying to nail this down, right? This is not religion. We're not going to decide on some dogma or some dogmatic understanding of what purpose is. So if I sound dogmatic, forgive me. (laughs) I'm apologizing up front. The idea of purpose as universal has, of course, been debated by women and men forever, Uh, especially with questions like, well, if God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere equally present, then why does it, he or she, why does it, the absolute, the divine, need a creation? And different religions and philosophies, of course, give you different answers, and various individuals within those groups would come up with different answers. But There is, at least in the West, in the Judeo-Christian and, to a large extent, Islamic view of things, a sense of service and worship and to glorify God. Now, I always had a problem with this. I still do, actually. Um, A God that would create children, in a sense, only to feel good about itself, to be worshipped or praised or glorified by those children, doesn't seem real divine to me. It seems very human and very needy. And it's challenging to me as a philosopher, that simply means somebody who searches for the truth, I did that for 20 years as a journalist before I realized the truth I was looking for went way beyond current events and government. So (laughs) to me, journalism and philosophy, uh, they're really quite similar. They're both searches for truth. And so I just have a problem with this whole idea that the purpose of the creator creating a creation and populating it with sentient creatures. Creatures that are aware 
of themselves that know they exist. Uh, that's a pretty miraculous gift. That's a pretty wonderful thing to have life and to know that you have it while you have it. To be able to think, but also to reflect upon your thinking, and then to have feelings as well, and the ability to reflect upon the feelings, and even crosswire a little bit to think about your feelings and to feel your thoughts, right? Hold on a sec here. Oh, I want to thank Bert in Honolulu for my coffee warmer. Bert sent me a groovy gift here for my birthday today. He sent me a coffee warmer. He heard me slurping my coffee and sometimes my tea. Depends on my mood in the background. So thank you, Bert, one of our Hawaii listeners. Appreciate that. That was very thoughtful. So I think there's got to be something more to purpose than to serve God, to glorify God, to worship God. And again, uh, as I've said, people have debated this inside of religion and outside of religion and philosophy, uh, and there are some wonderful answers. Um, Actually, I rather like serve, but... To say only to serve God, again, is sort of an egocentric model. How about to serve each other, which would benefit the one? How would the one, manifesting itself in many diverse forms, create an opportunity for those forms to connect, to create rapport, uh, to sympathize and empathize and to love each other sufficiently that they feel and honor and follow through with the need to be of service to each other, to help each other. It's a little challenging, but work with it like cold clay, and it'll warm and soften a little bit. Would the one, all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere equally present, need to create a creation? There's that question, too. Some philosophers say God had no choice, (laughs) which is funny. You know, the idea, what kind of God would have no choice? But seriously, had to create a creation had to have a purpose. And so you would say, well, what is that purpose? Why does God need us? Or if God doesn't need us, why would the Creator, the Most High, the Most Divine, just the Source, if you're uncomfortable with the image of a separated God, the Source need to manifest with such remarkable uniqueness and diversity, imbuing all of this creation with meaning, you see, that is diverse while the purpose is unified. Still with me on this? 
there's a uh, author and um, gosh, she's a uh, survivor of the uh, Holocaust, I believe, in World War II. Ellie Weisel, uh, who says that uh, God created man because he likes a good story or he likes a good joke. Uh, that would be sort of like a, a, a Mark Twain view of the irony of existence. And um, I think Ken Wilber's version of why uh, the one would create the many, why God would create its creation, is so it wouldn't have to have dinner alone. Um, so could God be lonely? Would God be lonely? It suggests, again, the idea that we really need both purpose and meaning, and that the purpose is to create meaning. That's how I would explain it, that that the singular objective purpose of the universe is to create meaning, and to do this through experience. So why would the one feel compelled to create the many? Why does, we'll use religious terms, why did God create the universe? The stars in the heaven, the galaxies, the weather systems, you know, the active volcanoes, the, uh, the mineral kingdom, the plant kingdom, the animal kingdom, the human kingdom, the celestial kingdoms, if you will. What's the point of all of that? if indeed God is all-knowing, all-powerful, and everywhere equally present, to have the experience of seeming to be separated, to have the experience of many different meanings. I mean, could we conceive of a divine source that being all-knowing and all-powerful, could immediately conceive instantaneously like the biggest, craziest, super-mega computer ever, all melodies simultaneously. You could sit around, I suppose, in heaven and do that all day, or you could create Tchaikovsky, Mozart, and Bob Dylan, and... Uh, you know, Coldplay, what have you. <laughs> you. You understand what I'm saying? And be surprised. Okay, guys, here you go. Spinning you off into existence, each one of you unique. Everyone with special gifts and talents and abilities. Surprise me. Right. Or... If the Most High, the Most Divine, the Creator or the Source of all things, God in a religious sense, could imagine every sunset imaginable instantaneously, simultaneously, maybe there would be some meaning in allowing these unique and diverse individuals to experience beauty of a sunset or a flower or another person's face uh, or an animal prancing in the spring, you know, 
I love watching animals in the spring. Farm animals are so excited to be alive, you know, that especially little horses. They just you know, prance and leap, and puppies and kittens do it too. Uh, uh, human babies too. It's just like this excitement to be alive and uh, this enthusiasm, this ecstasy at life and how quickly we lose that. We can get it back, of course, but it's an effort. We have to have our priorities straight. So maybe the reason the one creates the many, maybe the purpose of life is to create infinite meaning through the separate experiences of all these individuals. That's sort of the paradigm that I'm creating today by challenging any of us who use meaning and purpose interchangeably. And let's, I think, enrich our lives by beginning now to consider and continuing long after today's class is done to reflect on what would be my purpose that I would share with all life and what is my meaning, which is, I would say, largely personal or maybe even intensely uh, personal and intimate. You know, maybe the most personal part of our existence is why we exist, to have these unique experiences. Now, it's not easy to have unique experiences because even people who love you and who you love are sometimes rubbed the wrong way by your unique experience and will disagree with you and say, no, you're wrong about that. And I'm not talking about matters of fact that we could settle by, well, Google it, look it up. (laughs) Let's find out who's right and who's wrong. Too often, it's not a matter of fact, it's a matter of perspective that we disagree on, and somebody will say, you're wrong. Well, no, I'm not wrong, maybe I just see it differently. And a conservative person, I don't mean merely politically conservative, but in all areas of their life, or in most areas, a conservative person will resist that. Liberals are very into... I'll decide for myself. That's basically what a liberal is. I'll make up my own mind. We're not very uh, respectful of authority or even facts. We like to question authority out here on the left end of things. And the right-wingers, political and otherwise, the conservatives, they they like things to be more factual. Uh, I, I think we need to bring in the dichotomy that I mentioned earlier of the of the absolute and the relative. The more conservative you are, the more of an absolutist you are. You want everything in its place. Uh, everything is either right or wrong. Uh, few permutations, combinations, limited variations, because after all, right is right, wrong is wrong, and there's nothing in the middle if you're a conservative or an absolutist. Where, again, the liberal or pre- progressive thinker um, tends to be much more flexible in their thinking 
uh, is interested in understanding their own perspective may also wish to understand the viewpoint or perspective of other people, but if we disagree, we're not threatened on the left. On the right, conservatives, generally speaking, I know this is a broad brush, but generally speaking, if you disagree with them, they get scared because they figure either you're wrong or they're wrong, and there's only two ways anything can be. This is the absolutist, black-and-white, monarchistic mindset of the conservative. So they might uh, be okay with finding purpose in life, but they're going to have a problem with the definition of meaning of life that I'm holding out today. Timothy Leary would say, question authority and think for yourself. Uh, it's hard to believe that, you know, that was only 40 years ago. And he was essentially thrown in jail for that. Question authority and think for yourself. He's a Harvard professor of psychiatry, a very smart guy, a graduate of West Point. <laughs> a lot of people don't know that about Dr. Leary. And uh, a very complex guy. Sometimes Tim could be really off the wall. People who knew him well would be the first to admit that. But that's a wonderful phrase, to question authority and think for yourself. You see, absolutist would not like that, but a liberal would love that. Oh, boy, uh, I get to think for myself. I get to find meaning in my life, and it doesn't have to be the same as your meaning, other perhaps than that, as we've already said, it's experiential, that, again, we're supposed to experience the same beauty in unique ways, the, the same beautiful sunset, the same music that makes you want to jump up and shake your hips. Uh, and we can all agree. Oh, don't don't you don't you love uh, this music, or don't you love this sunset, or this beautiful painting, or this flower, or whatever? And we could all agree. Oh, yes, it's wonderful. But we would still see it in unique ways. We still have our own personal perspective, and so the meaning we find in it should be personal. Right, and, and that's what I have to offer for you today. This idea that purpose and meaning are really two different things, and that maybe overall the objective purpose, the singular purpose of existence, is the experience of finding the meaning uh, as as individuals. You see, this is the great paradox of the one and the many. The oldest philosophy known is probably Tibetan philosophy or Egyptian philosophy. And in Egyptian philosophy, there is the the uh, the emerald tablet that uh, this may have been where Moses got the idea of the Ten Commandments. And the second law of the ancient Egyptian or Hermetic emerald tablet, the laws of Hermes Mercurius Trismegistus. 
we call the law of correspondence, as above, so below. And as it is below, so it is above. Now, although much of Egyptian history is lost, we also have what little hermetic philosophy we have access to. We also have the Greeks, the early Greeks, uh, 500 to 1,000 years to 2,000 years later, reflecting on some of the ancient Egyptian principles and Plato talking about the law of correspondence and being again, this is now 500 years before Christ, saying the best way to know God is to know yourself. And the best way to know yourself is to seek and find the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Again, this is a pagan, Plato, before the age of prophets, right after Moses, but certainly before Christ or Muhammad, uh, a contemporary of Confucius and Lao Tzu and Buddha, but how could he know that, being on the other side of the world, right? They couldn't text each other, that's for sure. The human potential movement really is born, personal development uh, and spiritual development is really born of the idea that we are a reflection of our source and that to know that source you must know yourself and vice versa as above so below and as it is below so it is above it's repeated and so the same thing would be true for the horizontal model as within so it is without remember the George Harrison song within you and without you and What that means is karma, or the law of attraction, that your life is a perfect reflection of the interior landscape. So a negative thinker manifests evidence that it's a good idea to be a negative thinker because you're in such a horrible world that here are all these reasons to doubt and expect the worst. (laughs) Right? with little awareness that you're generating that, right? You're attracting that. And so it is with those who are more positive, more goal-oriented, those who expect the best in their fellow man, uh, they tend to create that as well. As within, so it is without. And as the world is out there, so it is in here. That's like a horizontal version of the Vertical law of correspondence, as above, so below. Do you get that? So here's your primary bar magnet with purpose being the absolute, the one singular. I really think you ought to, in this context, it it needs to be capitalized. It's like the divine purpose that we're talking about. Uh, Again, a religious person might say God's will or God's plan or the power behind it all, right, the purpose. Whereas meaning, again, I would say corresponds with the individual, with the perception end of the bar magnet, the receptive end, uh, the mother end, the feminine end of the bar magnet. 
And how could you have one polarity without the other? This is why some philosophers say you can't have purpose without meaning or vice versa, and that the most divine, God, in a religious sense, had to create the universe. Uh, it It had no choice but to create the other end of the bar magnet in order for there to be this radiant magnetic field around it and to give meaning to the purpose, right? So, again, these are largely, as I said at the top of the class today, unanswerable questions, and yet there is merit or value in working them and turning them over in your mind and and in your heart and sharing them with people. I mean, if we could arrive at some consensus here about the meaning of life being your personal responsibility to discern for yourself the meaning of your life as rather distinct from the meaning of my life, which is my responsibility to decide. And when we marry, then there has to be a merging to some extent of the meaning of this new third life that emerges, this us life that largely transcends or trumps the you or me, you and me is always superior to you or me, right? But to find meaning in that is our job. I mean, uh, uh, what's the meaning of my life? Well, what do you think it is? Well, what do you want it to be? I would say a great question to use as a tool in meditation and reflection is to ask yourself what do I care about? When you're meditating, when you're contemplating, when you're feeling very safe and relaxed, when the emotional nature is calm and the body is still and the mind is quiet and steady, to gently ask yourself silently and internally, what do I care about? What matters to me? And do it from a a non-judgmental place, not what should matter to me or why am I not more like this, but be truthful and honest with yourself. Well, what do I really care about? What is important to me? Why is this thing that I care about important to me? Regardless of what other people might think about your priorities or what you care about, or being worried about what you think about what they think, about what you care about. That's, I mean, you know the feeling of stress and anxiety leading to the spinning whirlpools, whirlwinds of argument in your head. And you just drive yourself crazy. Second guessing, third guessing, triple guessing, you know, trying to outthink yourself. You're not going to understand your thoughts with the same mind that generated those thoughts. 
you need a new way to think. If you're going to understand the confusion that often dominates our thoughts. So I'm not talking about trying to figure it out logically or to dissect it, to break it down. That's what logic is. It's deductive. Well, if this is true, then that's true, and then we'll put this over to the side and take a look at this. Now, what if this, and then that, and then break it down. And it's like the watch doesn't work, so I'm going to take it apart and look at all the pieces to figure out what's wrong with it. When you want to know what you care about, you don't figure it out with your mind. You sit quietly, let the mind become as quiet as possible. This is contemplation. Look for the gap between the thoughts and notice that you continue to exist and then hold gently in the center of your mind as if balanced the single question, what do I care about? And when you discover something and you want to pursue it, you continue the process saying to yourself silently and internally, why do I care about it? And in that way, you find meaning. That's one way to do it. That's what I'd recommend. We'll, we'll take your questions and comments on the phone and on the web in just a minute, and then we'll do an exercise I'll guide you through an exercise where you can begin to do that. And then you practice it. Again, because we're not talking about the destination. You're not going to get there. The more you know about the answer to the question, the bigger the question becomes. That's the beauty. It's always the journey rather than the destination. Right? So... Maybe the purpose of life, capital P purpose, objective, holistic, and universal is, with a sense of irony, to find meaning in the diversity. And that suggests a responsibility that you have to figure out the meaning of your life based on what you care about and why you care about it. Okay, that's my little presentation uh, for this week on the purpose of the media life. Let's check your questions. If you're on the telephone and would like to call, uh, well, if you're on the telephone, you already called. If, you, if you'd like to join those on the telephone, the number is on the web page in front of you above the player. Other numbers will open up a page with all kinds of options, numbers all over the U.S., and enter the conference ID when prompted. Raise your hand by pressing star 2 on the telephone touchpad. If you prefer on the web, enter a text message with your question or comment at the bottom of the page in front of you. And uh, include your name and the city where you are. And uh, We'll uh, start with the text messages. I don't see any callers with hands raised. So let's Let's go through some of the text messages and see who's with us this week, who wants to just say hello, if nothing else. First of all, we have in Montreal, Quebec, Charlotte, 
She says, happy birthday, dear Michael, and many, many more. Thank you, Charlotte. It's been a wonderful birthday, and it's just starting. It's not even noon here in Hawaii yet. And thank you for that. Carol in La Habra, who I spoke to this morning, happy birthday again, Michael. Hello to Doreen. In Winnetka, California, Phil James is with us, and he says, uh, I once described your online show shortly after discovering it as Michael Benner's Ageless Wisdom Sunday School uh, to a friend, and he thought that I had discovered religion. Even though I corrected him, he's never let me forget about it, laughing out loud. Now I'm more careful. Uh, okay, let's go. I'm ready. Uh, thank you, Philip. Uh, Michael Benner's Sunday School. <laughs> Uh, I was just talking to a marketing fellow the other day about whether we should move this class to a better time. He was a little surprised that uh, one-twentieth, I'll say it this way, one-twentieth of our listeners are listening live, that 19 out of 20 or more listen to the replay. So we were thinking about maybe moving it from Sunday afternoon. Then it would not be Sunday school, would it? might be Wednesday school or Thursday school. Hey, why don't you guys let me know if you have a strong feeling one way or the other about that. Do you like Sunday afternoon? Uh, it, it works fine for me, but I'm certainly open to moving it if there's a consensus that needs to be moved or if you can think of a time that would be really great for one reason or another um, besides just working for you, email me. Just my initials, MB, like Barry Baker, Michael Benner, at MB at theagelesswisdom.com, right? MB at theagelesswisdom.com. Shoot me an email. Let me know what you think. I'm open to that. Sunday school, huh? And then Phil adds, uh, uh, Fry's Electronics has good MP3 players for $30. On up, and they also have FM receivers built in, also, and some have recording devices, and so you're not limited to uh, the iPod. But uh, thanks for that. I'm a uh, I'm an Apple guy. I'm very um, you could say snobby or even snooty about. <laughs> I just I'm crazy about Apple stuff. It's got a uh, an ergonomics to it, an elegance to it, that, uh, I don't know, it's hard to explain. Not just the iPod, but the iMacs, all of their stuff, all of their stuff. But whatever floats your boat, it's good to know that there's lots of other MP3 players out there. Uh, let's see, who else have I got? Bert in uh, Honolulu says, happy birthday, Michael, and uh, very merry unbirthday to everybody else. Aloha, Bert. And uh, P.S. I think I'm going crazy. Let's see. I'm not sure who this is from. Here. I didn't. I don't see a name on this. Hi, Michael. I know this is a vague query, yet I ask anyway. The expression "if you think you're going crazy" means you are not crazy, or something to that effect. I'd appreciate your take on this adage, if you have a thought about it. If you think you're going crazy, that means you're not crazy. 
Well, I could. I've never heard anybody say that, but I, I think I have a sense of what you're talking about. If if you're sane enough to question your sanity, you know you're sane. That uh, again, crazy is obviously not a clinical term, but if someone is uh, insane or has a psychotic break, uh, they may be the last to know. Although most of my encounters with people that have serious uh, psychosis is they're well aware of it. So I'm not sure there's much you can do with that. (laughs) But there is some solace or some consolation in knowing that that, uh, we retain the ability to question ourselves, that most people won't do it and are afraid to know themselves almost goes without saying, but for those people who have the courage, or maybe the faith, if you know ultimately um, there's no way that you can be broken or uh, defective, or maybe you could be broken but not defective, you know, uh, what's that book, uh, Go Into Pieces Without Falling Apart, that you, if you knew you really can go to pieces in a difficult or challenging uh, situation, great loss or grief, for example. It's a good idea to go to pieces, to allow yourself to go to pieces and know that you will not fall apart. Those are plays on words, but we're built for that. And uh, to question yourself is a wonderful thing. Again, think for yourself. Question authority and then question yourself. What is that authority in your head that says, I believe war is ugly but necessary. I think we have to have capital punishment. Sorry so many people starve, but there's not enough food to go around. Well, might want to recheck, double check, (laughs) rethink what that says about you and your view of the world. And uh, have the courage to do that. I don't think we're, well, I'll just leave it at that. I think it does take great courage to question yourself and uh, some faith as well. You can do that. You can handle it. It won't drive you crazy. Uh, Luz Ilana is with us from Mexico City. Oh, hi, Luz. Nice to, you're down in Mexico City maybe for Thanksgiving. Maybe you've moved there, I'm not sure, but in any event, it's exciting to know that you can listen to us, and no matter where in the world you happen to be, and so uh, hola to you in Mexico City there. I bet it's a beautiful day today. She says, hello, Michael, thanks for the class every week, God bless you, you're a million to one, the best of the best, lose your, too kind to say that, thank you, appreciate it. Let me refresh and see if we have anything else here. Oh, yeah, we got a bunch of more people that I want to acknowledge, and then we'll do our visualization exercise. In Tucson, Lorelai is with us. Says, happy birthday, Michael. Here's to another great year of growing and living the good life. Peace and love to you and Doreen. Thank you, Lorelai. Out of Pittsburgh, John says, happy birthday, Michael, and aloha. Thank you, John. Hope everything is going well for you in Pittsburgh there. 
in uh, Findhorn, of all places, in Findhorn, Scotland, and I'm not sure about the pronunciation of this name, Michaela, looks like. Michaela? I don't even know if this is male or female. But they say uh, 9 o'clock GMT, speed 21 hours, that's when we do it. Uh, it's just perfect in Scotland, so that's that's good for him or her. And nice to know we're in Scotland. We have some folks in southern England that call often, and uh, I've got some Irish listeners, and now Scotland. Scotland, very nice. Thank you so much. Nice to hear from you. Thanks for being there. In Southern California, in Cyprus, oh, I scrolled it away by accident. Here we go. Zen is with us, says, hey, Michael, how's it? Happy birthday from sunny Southern California. Wish you were here, but more importantly, wish I was there. Enjoy Maui. And thank you, Zen. Uh, let's see. Culver City, Vern says, keep up the wonderful program on Sunday at this time. So Vern likes this hour. Because we have time to listen and are not at work, thank you and keep up the good work and a happy birthday. Thank you, Vern. Yeah, that was sort of the way I thought about it when I chose the hour in the first place. I thought, well, you know, initially anyway, most of my listeners will be in Southern California. That's where my base is, if you will, from 35 years of radio. So about Sunday at 1 o'clock. And that would be 4 o'clock in the east. And uh, as we said, 21 hours GMT in the wintertime. It's 20 hours GMT in the summer because we adjust for daylight time. But, okay, I just I thought it would be good, you know, like a substitute for church or after church or instead of football. You know, I never, I never watched football on TV, so my Sundays have always been a different uh, <laughs> than those who do. I know that that's a big deal for a lot of guys. And Irvine Robert is with us. Uh, happy birthday, Michael. Remember, you're not getting older, just better. Oh, I'm getting older, Robert, and uh, maybe better as well. I'm sure I'm getting better, but I'm also getting older. Funny thing is, consciousness doesn't age. My body is, but uh, we'll try and keep it as vital. And, and uh, hell, I'm only 62 years old. Can I say that? But isn't it funny how your awareness doesn't age? Because that's the part of you that is eternal. So you mature in a sense because you get smarter, you get more experienced. Well, not smarter. How, how shall I say? More experienced. You become wiser. And... Um, there are all these mistakes that we've made that we don't have to make anymore because we see them coming a mile away. But I don't feel that different inside my body than I ever did. You know, I think um, somewhere in my mid-20s or early 30s, that's the way I've always felt my whole life. So uh, I think that's a decision you make. I really do. An attitude. Um, I guess that's pretty much it. Uh, Bert in Honolulu's pop back on that says, regarding going crazy, he says, Catch-22 had a paradoxical reference to that. 
but I haven't read Catch-22 in a long time, Bert, so. And uh, Kasha in Irvine, hi, Kasha. He says, your Finhorn caller took me right back to my dinner with Andre. I'm sure many of the listeners are familiar with the film. If not, it's a must. Love you, uh, Kasha. Thanks, buddy. Likewise. Um, yeah, my dinner with Andre. I think I loved that film, but it um, it sort of tranced me out. It, I kept watching it at night, and I'd fall asleep in the middle of it. Uh, it's hardly an action-packed film, but for uh, thinkers and sensitive-feeling people, um, I think it goes back, what, 15, 20 years, doesn't it? The Magic of Finhorn, uh, there's a book by that title, and the work that Peter and Elaine Caddy did, and and so many others in Finhorn, um, it's quite a remarkable story, and I believe the community is still going, even though the caddies left, and I think they've both passed on at this point. I don't want to prematurely uh, declare anybody's obituary, but I believe Peter and Elaine Caddy, both of them have passed. But they started this remarkable community in northern Scotland called Findhorn, where they could grow roses in the snowbank, and uh, cabbages the size of beach balls in soil that uh, was not the best soil, very rocky soil, very frigid, arid environment. And they did it by working with the uh, Deva's kingdom, the the spirits, the, um, how shall I say, what are Deva's, the little sprites and the fairies and... Um, in Hinduism, there is this whole Deva kingdom and that um, these people began to work with and um, created all kinds of miracles. So there's a dozen or more books about Finhorn. It's been a long time since I've read anything or studied anything about it, but if you've never heard of it before, it's worth checking out. Okay, and then let me go back and look at the phone board and see if anybody uh, wants to... Oh, yes, I do have. This looks like it might be John in Pittsburgh calling. Let me unmute you, John. I haven't done this in so long. I'm not sure I know how to do this. If I hit unmute, it must be this. There we go. John, are you there? I am. Good. You're the first caller in months on my groovy unmute one at a time conference call system. How's everything in Pittsburgh today? Uh, it's very good. We're in the middle fifties. A little cloudy now, but it's also getting dark. Why do you think people would rather type me text messages than call on the phone? Uh, I do think people might be shy. I, I think I was at first when you first got the system, but I think it's awesome. You think it's because I was so mean to people on the radio? Uh, there might be a little bit of that. But I always <laughs> enjoyed that. I always enjoyed when you got when you uh, took people on. Got a little confrontational, maybe. Yeah, it's it's all right. I gave that up some time back, but you go back, of course, to uh, the KLOS and KABC days. I didn't really know any better in those days. That's what I was taught to do, and. That's what you were supposed to do is really get in people's face. But 
Right. I don't think you were never you were never as mean as the hate radio they have today, though. No, that's true. And and the only people I ever really challenged directly and with any hostility, if you will, were those people who promoted one of three things, which is either uh, war or hatred or uh, I had a pet peeve about ignorance. Also, <laughs> you know, don't we all? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And yet you risk being perceived as arrogant if you say that. You know, like, it, it, it's not uh, that, well, I guess what I mean by ignorance is to ignore. Like, if you don't know something and say you don't know it, that doesn't make you ignorant, right? True. But if you don't know and pretend you do, that would be ignorant. And and that was sort of the issue I had with those people. But anyway, I gave all of that up after uh, hearing myself on KPFK and thinking, oh, my God, I, <laughs> I'm going to have to make a choice one way or the other here. If I'm going to teach spiritual development, I'm going to have to walk the walk. The walk. Well, I agree with uh, another listener who said you are the best of the best because even back then, um, I, I still think you were fair to people and... Um, you are getting better and better. I enjoy what you do today very, very much. It's very inspirational, and I look forward to it every week. Well, I, I, it means a lot coming from you, John, because I know you've been out there a long time. And First time I, I heard you was on the knack in, like, 1977. I was just oh, my kid. God. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> in Long Beach. Yes, that's where I live, too. I did a Sunday morning show there for a few months. Yeah, I liked uh, I liked their format at that at the time. Yeah, there was the sort of format. A, yeah, right, right. That was owned. That was back in the day when real people owned radio stations. Uh huh. And there was a, a married couple, Claudia and Jim Harden, who oh. owned that radio station. Now, of course, there's five corporations that own all of them. So, well, that doesn't serve us. No, that's why I'm not in radio. You got to well, really. I got to write happy birthday to you on the text message, but I'd also like to say it. If I could say it in Hawaiian, I would. Well, uh, it's difficult to say in Hawaiian, and I don't have it in front of me. I'd, I'd need to have have it written down here. But I'd, I'd just appreciate you showing folks uh, how easy it is to make these calls, because I'd, uh, I'd like to include calls as well as the text messages. And... Um, you know, it is a lot of fun. It is a lot like being on the radio, and so I can I can put you back on mute. Uh, I can put you on hold, or I can just hang up on you. So I think what I <laughs> <laughs> see you're teaching me to use the system here. So That's uh, cool. I think what I'll do is put you. Let's see, back on hold. You would be able to hear the program. Uh, can I ask you one question? Of course. Uh, could you expand just a little bit on something you said as I was holding about consciousness doesn't age? Uh, I wrote that down, and I thought, well, uh, maybe it's not aging, but shouldn't uh, – I just maybe wanted you to address maybe expanding your awareness or expanding conscious, getting more conscious. Is that, yeah. Are they different? Uh, stay with me while I do this. Is what different again? Uh Expanded awareness or expanding your consciousness as oh, opposed to consciousness doesn't age. 
those are two very different things. Okay. Um, technically, in um, some philosophies, in Hinduism, um, where we have to deal with translation to English, consciousness and awareness are two different things. Uh, not unlike our model today, awareness is usually in Hinduism a universal uh, sense of identity. You are the awareness. You are the one awareness. And consciousness is sort of a individuated perspective of that awareness. For our purposes, I usually use those terms interchangeably, awareness and consciousness, to be consciously aware, to be aware of your consciousness. Um, That's cool. Capitalize one or the other. Expanded consciousness, higher awareness, higher consciousness, expanded awareness, uh, pretty much the same thing. But the idea that consciousness doesn't age is that it's of spirit, not matter. And so anything that is um, energy, not physical energy, but metaphysical energy, frequencies that, that, that stand outside of the physical spectrum, so to speak, higher, more rarefied frequencies than any we know in the physical world of vibration, that these frequencies stand outside of space and time. So where there is no space, there is no time, and vice versa. So there is no aging on the other side, so to speak. Your soul doesn't age. You've heard people talk about, oh, that's an old soul, they're an old soul. Well, from the perspective on Earth, you could say that's an experienced soul. But there is no time in metaphysics. And that's really difficult to get the brain around because the brain is designed to discern a world of space and time. So to get to a place of timelessness and consider that your soul is really not aging, but it's mellowing like a fine wine. It's becoming more and more experienced, right? Some would say it moves closer to to the ground of God, or it shares the ground of God, but it it becomes more divine, more holistic in its its view of things. But a lot of this is so ineffable that it really has to be left to the individual to have an experience of that in meditation. And so that's why we don't feel any older, John, than we did when we were in our 20s or our 30s. We, yeah, yeah I agree with that, too. Yeah, you look in the mirror and you go, oh, geez, where that gray hair come from? Where did these crow's feet come from? Wrinkles, what are these? Liver spots, oh, no. But inside, you feel like, you know, you feel like a kid. You feel like you always felt. Unless, of course, your body really is causing you some pain and suffering, and then you identify with that. But I'm surprised at how... Good, I feel almost every day of my life. Uh, pretty cool if you think about it. It is. It's very cool. Yeah. And, and thank you for that. I, I, I like that. I wrote down of spirit, not matter. It's a lot. It's a lot. It is a lot to get your head around. Yeah. Um, anything in the material world, of course, is a victim of space. Has to exist someplace and time, some point in space and time. 
and likewise everything outside of the physical and the metaphysical beyond or behind the physical the spiritual realms are devoid of space and time they're like again everywhere equally present so maybe we'll do a show dedicated to that i'll develop those ideas and do a little more with it sometime very cool yeah hey buddy thanks a lot for uh for uh calling and but oh, you are certainly well, <clears throat> certainly welcome, and I'd also like to encourage other folks to call, too. You'll make it easy. <laughs> yeah, I won't yell at you. <laughs> I promise. All right, you have a great day, and uh, much aloha to you and Doreen. Thank you, John, and aloha to you. And I'm going to try and mute you with this button, see if this And at that point, I pushed the wrong button and disconnected the whole webinar. Sorry about that. We'll catch up with you next week and have that guided imagery for you that we missed today. As always, be gentle, love life, and take care of each other. From Maui, Hawaii, this is Michael Benner. Aloha.